I had such a great conversation with producer and veteran actor Jasper Cole that I wanted to share it with you. We talk about everything from stand-up comedy to the old days of talk shows in the 90s to acting careers and just hobnob and have a great time. So I wanted to share this interview with you today. Thank you so much for staying tuned to Rolanda On Demand. I hope you're also following me in social media at Rolanda Watts on IG, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And I hope you're catching some of the great movies I have coming out. And Jasper Cole, catch him too. You know, you see Jasper a lot when you see those villains. He always plays those bad guys. In fact, he was just uh, just got this big International Nollywood Award for being one of the best villains in film. So he's really out there being a bad guy. But in this interview... Oh my gosh, he's such a sweetheart. I hope you enjoy this. He got me to open up about a lot. And um, enjoy this episode of Rolanda On Demand. It's road time. Welcome to Rolanda On Demand. I love my podcast because we not only tackle the tough issues of the day, but we deal with hot topics, celebrity interviews, and information that can help you in your business or relationships. This is Rolanda On Demand. Very excited to have this (laughs) Emmy-nominated talk show host, actress, writer, producer, author, and now stand-up comedian, the very delicious Miss Rolanda Watts. Welcome. Hey, gorgeous. Hey, how, how are, are you? you? Happy, happy day to you. <laughs> How's that for an intro? That was an intro. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's my joy. Well, I will tell you that we're we're of the same generation, of the same age range, and I have watched you. I think since Inside Edition. Oh my god! Probably gosh. is when I first saw you. Um, we're also both Southerners. I'm from Georgia and you're Winston-Salem, North, North Carolina. Carolina. And so I kind of wanted to, I, I know we're going to get into like current stuff, but I really want to sort of honor you and your career because for some of our listeners who um, may not know, Rolanda was very groundbreaking back in the early 90s because right after Oprah Winfrey popped on the scene with her national show, Rolanda had her own show called Rolanda, and it was with King World and the brothers, right? The two mm-hmm. guys that ran. Roger King's... and Michael King uh, from King World. Right. And my company, Watts Works Productions. Well, this was an amazing thing at the time. It still is. But I want to talk about a little bit. I know that you're, both your parents worked in education. Your mom's a doctor and was at which university? Wake Forest. Wake yeah. Forest. And your dad also worked he was at Winston-Salem State University. He was a well-acclaimed artist, a woodcutter, and he was also pro- the um, chairman of the fine arts department there. So education was a huge Big deal. part. And Big now, deal. are you an only child? No, I have a brother. Okay. Six years younger. Six years younger. Yes. So he's you're also the a writer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm the big sister. You're the big sister. And he's a writer? He's a writer. As well? Yeah. So it's like you had the artistic and the education in the family. You're absolutely right. And I think that that's the, I think I'm the best of both of my 
worlds called my parents. My mother was very strict. She was very by the book. She was very about education. Get it done. You got a B. Why wasn't it an A? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. My father was, hey, let's go, uh, let's go shoot some rifles. Let's go uh, play with the dog. You know, let's paint. Let's, so that free side, that artistic side, and that strict education, um, you know, the structured side Good balance. is a perfect balance. Right. And I find that I'm very much both. Well, it it now makes total sense why your amazing career has ebbed and flowed into these different areas because you you went from that sort of serious journalistic side of your career and then segued over into acting and all these other things. But I want to go back to... When you were doing the national show at the time, um, <clears throat> I don't know if a lot of people remember or you may be too young, but there was like an explosion of talk shows. I had a friend, Charles mm-hmm. Perez, who had yes. a—Charles Dabney, who—Charles Perez, who oh. had a show, and Tempest Bledsoe and Gabrielle Carteris and— Mark Wahlberg. Ma- and- oh, I missed that one. <laughs> Did he? Remember? You were naming all the last— The bit. last of the— Right. Uh-huh. But, but there was a huge explosion. The 90s was all about talk shows. Right. And um, much after Oprah Winfrey—because everybody had a last name. I was the first person to have a only first name. Right. But there was Oprah Winfrey, Sally Jesse Raphael. Uh-huh. Jenny Geraldo Jones. Rivera. Jenny Jones. Right. Jenny Jones. And there were so many talk shows on the air. I think when my show came out— at the Nappy Convention, I think there were maybe 30 shows out wow. there. Wow. And by the time all the shows had gotten placed, because I was a mid-season replacement. Okay. I, I didn't even think I was going to do a talk show until Roger King walked onto the set of Inside Edition and said, look, I need you to do this talk show for me. And I said, Roger, you've been asking me to do a talk show for five years. He had been? He had been asking me. Do you but remember who like, you replaced? Les Brown. Les Brown. Les Brown. He was doing that show, and the show was failing. He didn't want to lose the time slots or his face. And so he (laughs) said, I need a favor from a friend. Uh And at that time, I was like, you know, I'm a news journalist. I'm covering murder and mayhem from New York Mm -hmm. City to Inside Edition. I'm traveling the world. I can't be a talk show host. He said, Rolanda, you have a lot more to say than in a minute and 30 seconds. He says, I want to give you an hour every day to talk about things that you're passionate about. Now, who can say no No, to that? No, hell no. And he said, plus, I need a favor from a friend. I need you to fill up this hole. Mm -hmm. And and I was also very good at uh, live TV. Back, you know, today, everybody's live. Get your phone, you're live. But back in the day, we actually had to drive a truck, set it up. It took two hours to go live. And then you had to know the crap. You know, Mm -hmm. being live is, as you know. Was totally. You know. So he said, listen, I don't have a year and a year and a half to do a a pilot here. I didn't even know it took that long to do a talk show. (laughs) He said, I need you on the air in two weeks. So I would finish doing Inside Edition. Uh, You know, I was the weekend anchor. Bill O'Reilly was there at the time. I was the senior correspondent. Weekend anchor. He never, ever (laughs) abused me, I must say. (laughs) You know, I know a lot of these guys, and they never once tried anything with me. What's the problem? I'm about to do hashtag why not. They knew knew not to bother. They knew not to bother. Not to bother you. You want them on a silver, a gold platter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But so, yeah. Anyway. But But back to um, doing the talk show, it was one of the greatest opportunities that I never dreamed that I would have or even desire. 
Well, there's something to be said about when you, the things that we're not always like searching and begging for and hoping for, things sometimes just kind of fall in your lap. But you, I mean, you were prepared, you had done all your work or whatever, but it was interesting how a lot of times the things that we want the most are like the You're hardest right. to get and then other things fall right in front of us. It's funny because um, I always say a couple of things that are takeaways from that experience. Never underestimate how many folks are watching mm. you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had been watching me for a long time when I wasn't getting those anchor positions Monday through Friday. Right. At, at, you know, at the local news, when I was getting looked over for great opportunities, when I couldn't break in for whatever reason, right. call it whatever it is, but I wasn't making it that the way that I should have been. Right. And Roger said, I've got something for you. You're ahead of your time. Come with me. And I trusted that. And now that's really what I'm mostly known for. Now, people in New York know me as an anchor woman and an investigative right. news reporter. But the world basically knows. They don't even know I have a last name. <laughs> they just know Rolanda, you know. What did you, I mean, I guess there was, there was always the obvious, like, the next Oprah. Mm. She's an African-American woman. Oh, yeah. You know, that whole oh, thing. Oh, they pitted us against each other. There wasn't a week where the tabloids weren't saying we were killing each other. Right. But I refused to, and I think Oprah did too, um, we refused to play into right. that pit two right. black women against each of other. Course. We didn't play that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we were in the same industry. Mm-hmm. And I hope that... Um, that we both have had positive impacts in, mm-hmm. in well, that absolutely. area. Yeah. And then also what was remarkable and admirable is you chose, because also people, Rolanda co-owned her her show, so she needs no telethons. Thank you. But, <laughs> well. <laughs> well, she was a smart businesswoman. But, back, you know, again, that was very uh, groundbreaking at the time. So, um, but I think what's admirable is that you chose to end the show because the genre was going in such a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, people were being hit in the head with chairs on Geraldo. That's and right. His it, nose it, getting broken. You know, it was going Here, down. Yeah. It, it, here's the deal. What we were talking about earlier, there were so many talk shows on the landscape. By the time my show hit the air, it was me, Geraldo, and Jerry Springer who were fighting for whatever audience was left who hadn't already picked their favorite eight, right? right, right, okay? right. So we were, and we did a great show. I was getting kids out of gangs. Yep. My producers were tops. They had integrity. They were fantastic. And we had groundbreaking shows. Mm-hmm. My first show was gun control. I remember. And here we are today wearing orange because our children are begging us to be aware of gun violence. Um, we were very big with the gay community when yep. nobody was talking about being gay. Karamo Brown who is now a host on Queer Eye, told me, he said, you know, when I was a teenager, your show was the only place on TV that made me feel that I actually fit in this world, Mm. being black and gay and a male. Wow. And I said, you know, and look at you now. And I put my hand on my (laughs) hip and I stomped my foot and I said, look Look. what we did. (laughs) Three snaps. (laughs) Yes, three snaps. That that right there makes you feel. So anyway, back to the day. The day. The day. Remember, William Bennett came back out in the 90s and he said, you know, these horrible talk shows, they're the degradation of society. Everybody clean up their act. So we, well, our act was already clean. So we thought we were sitting pretty. 
Jerry Springer said, see ya, because he couldn't get arrested at that time. Mm -hmm. He couldn't catch a cold. And so instead of cleaning up like everybody was doing, he was the one who broke away from the pack and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going rogue. And guess what? What? He's still printing money. And Maury Maury Povich. Maury Povich saw, well, that worked. So let me save my career. But I can't do that. I remember we had one show where the girl revealed she had been cheating on the guy. And the guy who had already revealed he cheated three times got up, stood up on my stage and went Uh -uh. and spit on this woman. Uh -uh. I stopped the show. It was the only show that we ever just said we cannot air this. Not under my name. And I said to my producing staff, I said, we can't do this. We're going to, we would, we would take fighting people, put them on the stage, put them back on the same plane, house them in the same. Mm -hmm. I said, somebody's going to kill somebody. Like on Jenny Jones. And that's exactly what happened two weeks after that meeting. Two weeks. And you know, we could not compete in the ratings without being sensational. Mm-hmm. I said stories are compelling in themselves. They don't have to be no. sensational. You don't have to rip off people of their lives right. and stories. And um, I might have paid a high price for that. Well, you know, I-, I left a lot of money on the table, but I just couldn't compete. And Roger agreed with me wholeheartedly, and we just said— we're not canceling the show. It just won't be continued at this time. Right. And it's so interesting. Uh, I think it was Jerry Springer's producers did, did the expose and showed how they get the guests all riled up and pit them against each other. It's somewhat fascinating, but very scary. Yeah. That show, Unreal, that's mm-hmm. on oh. today. That, that's almost like a spoof. Do you love it? I love it's it. So and great. let me tell you, it is so real. That's, yes. that's the thing that's so unreal scary. about it. <laughs> Well, yeah. was Bert DeBrow, was he the producer? Bert, it's so funny. I love Bert. Bert is one of my favorite people. Bert, um, it's so funny because we used to try to kill each other back <laughs> in the day. He was with Sally. Yeah. He was with Jerry. In fact, Bert is the one who gave the red famous glasses to Sally. But as much as we used to compete so much, we've worked together on HLN with Dr. Drew. Oh, and yeah. And we're just yeah. a fam. And he's been really telling them all wonderful stories like, back from his beginning days with Sally. Oh, yeah. You know. You know, uh, Bert's a good guest for your show. I had him on my podcast, Roland On Demand. But he is so chock full of great TV stories. I mean, he is, he's tops. And he's really, you know, working with Bert, especially in these days and times, it's so delicious when you can work with somebody who's smart, who gets it, and who has history, history. and integrity, integrity in this business. And um, that man is definitely one of the tops well, on that list. You guys will probably be working together again. So, Bert, I'm available. We're putting it out there right Listen, now. Listen, I, I can travel. <laughs> That's what we were just talking about. <laughs> we're just talking about. about. Hey, the, the Mile High City, right? <laughs> More with Jasper Cole right after this about stand-up comedy, about acting, and a whole lot more right after this 
on Rolanda On Demand. Bold Radio, it's Rolanda. You probably know this man, Rodney Van Johnson. Thank you for having me. Joe, I just wanted to say that uh, Ro looks amazing. I do? Oh. Yes, you do. Ooh, I, I think do? you should have some type of virtual thing going on out here. You need to, you're too fine to be behind this microphone without us seeing you. Oh, really? Really. There's more Rolanda next. Talk, listen, connect. Bold Radio, it's Rolanda. And I was doing a book signing years ago, and some guy says, Dave, in two words, change my life. Two words, change my life. And I said, and, and God was speaking to me, because I am rather obtuse at times. I said, be happy. What? Three words. Be happy now. Be huh? happy now. Be happy, be happy now. There's more Rolanda next. Talk, listen, connect. If you're just joining us, we're here with the amazing Rolanda Watts. And her podcast is Rolanda On Demand. And tell everyone social media wise. Oh, yeah. And remember, Rolanda is R O L O N D A. So I'm at Rolanda Watts on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. (laughs) And they're trying to get me to get a Snapchat. Oh. I don't know if I need ears and a long tongue, but. I do, do you know Snapchat's doing scripted programming now? I just oh, went well, on tape. Check it out. <laughs> they're now doing scripted, but mm-hmm. it's so crazy. I understand they're looking at podcasts to turn into TV shows. Correct. Well, there you go. Hello, I'm available. Hello. Which okay, that brings. And look us- at look at Tammy Roman. I <laughs> oh. love it. Well, that's a great segue because I wanted to talk about how you went from that into acting. Now I'm assuming. You were always interested in theater? and, and Yeah, I, I've always wanted to be an actor. And okay. I've always uh, wanted to live in New York and do Broadway, blah, 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 blah. But when I finished college in the 70s, there weren't a lot of opportunities for little girls who look like me. So thank God I had a backup plan. I'd love to write. So I fell in love with journalism. I remember being at Columbia University and telling my dad, I'm really not here for journalism. You know, I just finished Spelman College, majoring in theater arts, working with Spike Lee, did Spike Lee's first movie. I mean, I was on that track. Oh, I didn't know that. And then I graduated a year early because I wanted to go to New York. I wore a subway token around my neck. To to be an actress. To act. And... um, my parents were always like, you better have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So I majored in English and theater arts at Spelman College. And then I said, how can I get to New York? I said, well, if I'm in school, my parents will leave me alone. I know I can write. I didn't know Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism was one of the top, top. writing schools. So I got in. I remember telling my dad, I'm really not here for this journalism thing. I'm really here to for audition Broadway. for Broadway. And when I get my big role, I'm quitting this graduate school stuff. My dad <laughs> looked at me. <laughs> Back then, you could smoke in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he took and a everywhere long, else. I remember he took such a long draw on his cigarette <laughs> that his jaws sucked in. This is how long he, he to, was thinking. <laughs> and, and then, then he this, blew it out. He blew it sl- out. And he looked at me and he said, mm-hmm. good luck, little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I went to one cattle call and that was it. And I said, I'll be back when you know my name. But I thank God oh, I, I had like a backup. Yeah, I'll be back when you know my Let's name. Let's make a T-shirt out of yeah. that. Yeah. And you got back. your master's. And I got still got my master's from an Ivy League, Columbia. And it launched my career into journalism, right. which speaks for itself. Exactly. There again, you never know right. where your destiny will lead. Well, after my show... I had done Inside Edition, Eyewitness News, NBC. I'd done it. Attitudes. I, I attitudes on Lifetime. Which I loved. Which was great with Dorothy Lucy and that whole game. Oh. oh, we had so much fun. And then I had run out of 
territory and things to do. And I said, look, Rolanda, you can either be, you know, that third person thing, you know, we're actors. That Bob Dole. <laughs> Rolanda, talk to you, listen, yeah. um, you can sit on a porch when you're 80 and rock back and forth and say, I could have, would have, should have, mm-hmm. if I'd only tried. Yeah. Or you can get up and say, I'm not tied down by any contracts. I've done well by my investments. I'm going to take a chance on me. And I had told so many other people's stories. I wanted to tell mm-hmm. my own. I wanted to write a novel called Destiny Lingers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play those roles on Sister, Sister to House days of Party, our lives to Days and- of Our Lives, and play other people, not just tell their stories. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to tell some of my own. And I've launched a voiceover career, a novelist. I'm a podcaster. I'm a, you know, because I, I had mean, to, I had to pay my mortgage. Let's well, be yeah. for real. But still, mm-hmm. I had to look into myself every single turn and say, "What do you have in that mm-hmm. big toy box that God gave you?" Because you got a hustle, boo. Because we got bills to pay, hey. and the talk show arena that time is not here right now. Right. So until it comes back, mm-hmm. like you never left. Right. Let's do some other stuff in the meantime. So that leads me to ask you, how was it, did you find when you first got out to L.A., now how were you sort of accepted in terms of the acting world? Was it, well, here's this talk show host, let's see if she can act, or did did it get you in the door initially? I had a lot of people go, what? Right. You are what? You are, even my mother was like, you did an internationally syndicated talk show and you're, 38 years old. And at that time, you know, in 1998, the the blaring headlines were, if you're over 30 and you're black and you're a woman, you are not going to work in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I said, screw you. They said I would never be an anchor woman because of the way I look. They Mm -hmm. said I'd never have a talk show because of the way I look. Screw you. If I fail, so what? Mm -hmm. I'll have a great story to tell at the end of the day. But what happened was um, they were looking for a love interest on a little show called Sister, Sister. 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 <laughs> was that UPN? That was, God, back in that day, it was WB, WB. I think. The WB, right. when they right. had just started minority programming, right. urban, urban programming. <laughs> now it's just called Good TV. <laughs> All right. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I played Vivica and mm-hmm. that broke me in. I played this vixen comedic role. They didn't know I could do comedy. Jamie Foxx had me on his show. Steve Harvey had me on it. And I started working the sitcom arena. And which is not easy no. to book. Mm-mm. So you had to be good to get it. Well, you can't fake funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're also voted scene stealer in daytime. In day- Oh, I played. Did you love? Did you love? I loved it. And you know what was so exciting this year was twenty years later, my love interest on. If you remember, I was on Days of Our Lives. Mm -hmm. I played Attorney Cameron Reese, who was like, I would walk in the room and everybody would go, "It's Uh, you." (laughs) But James, he got. yeah. Didn't he finally win his own After Emmy? After 34 yeah. years, I think. And it was so exciting to, to spend that time with him. He was my love interest. I had come back to town because he had dumped me for Lexi, and I had a revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Did you love the pace of daytime? I loved it. It's some of the hardest acting yeah. in mm-hmm. the world. I mean, you got to know it. They don't do two and three takes. T- they do two takes. One is not for you. It's yeah. for the camera. camera. And then you better have your character develop, those lines down, your your blocking. 
and in wardrobe looking fierce and skinny. <laughs> My friend in daytime said, unless, just, unless you want to, if you want to do another take, just let the camera hit you in the head or fall on the ground because <laughs> right. otherwise they're, they're moving not on. Stopping. They really <laughs> They're are. moving on. Absolutely. It was, um, it was really uh, uh, eye-awakening and it was good exercise. Yeah. It was like going to the gym yeah. because they don't play. I love it. I like that I pace, I love though. it, too. Some other shows, you, I mean, we're not complaining, but right. you get on other shows. A week. It's like, are we going to, can we hurry up and right. do something hurry here? Hurry up and wait. That's yeah. our business. But I do like the pace of daytime. I do too. Now, who did you play in Bold and the Beautiful? I yeah. played another attorney. Oh. <laughs> One, I was taking money on the on the table. And the more the more cases that Cameron Reese won, the bigger her baubles <laughs> got. I love the wardrobe department. Anyway, <laughs> and um, the other one, I played a very docile, nice family attorney who helped hmm. one of them get their baby back. Oh, of there course was she a, did. Yeah, I said, I was so sweet on oh. that one. Not as much fun. No, never is. <laughs> never is. Was that as fr- you well know, I know, bad guy. I know. Was that Fran Bascom <laughs> the ca- at I, Days at Days of Our Lives? For casting, yes. Yeah, dear yeah. Fran. She's passed on now, but she... Oh, she was the casting director. She was so great. Yeah. You know, back, Fran would just call you. At yeah. home, and she could call an actor and say, I have this part coming up. I mean, now you have to go through networks, and you know, for one line, you practically have to yeah. jump through hoops. So. But she was very nourishing as a cat. Yeah. I know that you talk about making a transition, and this is a business where, you know, we eat our young. They don't <laughs> care about who you are. You know, I could be Rolanda all day, all day long, all day time, but in this arena, yeah. on our stage, in our studio, we don't care about that. Right. So it was starting all mm-hmm. over and trying to, you know, I was liking it like taking half an orange and turning it inside out. You have to be the same thing, but something delicious and inviting and right. different. Right. You know, and well, turn yourself inside it, out. Well, it sounds like you also got to work with some really wonderful people. Well, I the Tim Reeds of the yeah. world, oh. the, the James, Fo- Jamie Foxes. Um, you know, there were the, the friends, friends, the people who nourished. Ken Corday at Dave's. Dave's yes, yeah. absolutely. And James and the Reynolds. Bells and the, yeah. James Reynolds has the Fremont Theater in Pasadena. Yes. He and Lisa have run that, his wife, for 30 years, right. I guess. And that's right. what I always love, too, that he stays involved stays in, involved in with theater. theater. And let me tell you something else. James has come down to uh, Winston-Salem, my hometown, where every other year we do the African-American Theater Festival. Oh, oh, it's wow. a worldwide international f- festival, and he shows up. He's a big theater proponent for sure. Well, I, Winston-Salem, is that where they did uh, Dawson's Creek? Actually, it was Wilmington, Wilmington. North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Down in the area where Destiny Lingers takes place. Okay. Top so, so, yeah, I want to, let's, let's segue over to your. Yeah, because this is Dawson creek It's very Dawson <laughs> Creek. So, your, your book, uh, I know, I wish we were on camera. Oh, but again, they can check it out. They can go Destiny on to. Destiny Lingers. And they can go onto your website. Sure. Right. And sure. find it. Absolutely. Um, and on Amazon. Every, all the... Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble, yeah. yeah. So how did this book come about for you? Was it a story that you had been thinking yeah, of? it or? was a story I could not not tell. I you know, here's... Okay, <laughs> let me... How do I tell this story? In 1948, my, grandpa- my, my grandparents were among 10 black families and some white families involved as well 
who helped integrate uh, the North Carolina beaches. We, they established a place called Ocean City on a little tiny island called Topsail Island. I know that one. You do? Yeah. It's a little island, 26 miles long, quarter of a mile wide, the most beautiful place in the world, uh, <laughs> for my opinion. But anyway, I grew up there. My parents dated there. I lost diapers out there. <laughs> but from 1948, my grandparents established one of the, or with other families, helped establish one of the first black beachfront resorts wow. in North Carolina. And before that time, 20 years before desegregation, um, you know, blacks weren't even allowed on the beaches. So this was a major This is groundbreaking. And so as integrated as the island was supposed to be down here in eastern North <laughs> Carolina, uh, it was anything but. And it was very segregated. And the thing that you can't segregate is children at the beach mm, having mm. fun. Mm-hmm. And I always thought of how we had to play in silence and hidden under the marshes. And I started thinking, what would happen if those two kids in a segregated Jim Crow South grew up mm-hmm. when laws changed? Time moves on. But what if destiny lingered? Wow. And they got a second chance at their first love. I have my gay friends who go, oh, my God, that's my story. Mm -hmm. I have so many interracial couples, which you see everywhere Everywhere. today. Thankfully. But in my day, and, you know, I'm one of the last, we're one of the last generations that remembers when you weren't allowed to drink from that fountain and you had to go to that bathroom. Right. Which was ridiculous. And my nieces and nephews have no concept of that as they bring home their lovers from wherever, (laughs) whenever, and they are this, this week, you know, whatever. (laughs) They don't even know that people would be swinging from a tree or banned from their families for their choice of love. Right. So I wanted to tell a story about... um, the beauty and the ugliness and the pain of human nature and bring in mother nature. In 1996, I sur- I was one of 11 people who stayed on Topsail Island when Hurricane Bertha mm. came barreling through. I had to eat at the Red Cross for three days. Listen, if somebody tells you to evacuate the island, get your ass get your off. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was the dumb me. I was like, let's call Inside Edition. Let's go live from let's the Let's make porch. a documentary. Right, let's yeah. do this. And by the time the camera crew got there, they couldn't get on the island. Oh, wow. It was too dangerous, and I couldn't get off. So the police chief, who was gorgeous, would come and get me every day That's and take me stayed. to the red. I, well, honey, that helped. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was nothing between yeah, us. Yeah. But he was just a really good-looking friend guy. Turned into be a very dear friend. But we talked about, as he was taking me back and forth to the Red Cross to eat, we were talking about, oh, my God, there's, there's old Bob's tackle shop that's gone and or we had little things that we had right. in common mm-hmm. and i said why don't we know each other why wouldn't we mm. oh you remembered the time shoot. boom that wall of segregation and the feelings that came back and i had to get it out of my system oh. so to speak w- about something that is so much in our system yeah mm-hmm. so i wanted to tell the beauty and bane of human nature the beauty and bane of mother nature, nature. Throw it all together, throw it against the wall, and make it sing. It is. See what happens. What a and great destiny story. lingers. Uh, um, it's about an investigative news reporter from New York City. She's tracking down all the big stories, not paying attention to her own life and her new marriage. 
until she discovers this long strand of red hair stretched Mm-mm. across her husband's bed pillow. Uh-oh. And the only person she knows with red hair is her best friend. Oh, wow. It unravels this whole great story of deceit. Wait till you see how she catches them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after that dramatic story, she goes down to North Carolina to get her head together, meets the police chief, uncanny mm-hmm. familiarity, the little boy she was in love with but couldn't be with because of segregation. Yeah. But it comes at a time, it took so long to write the book because it was a hobby for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that they look like Megan. Beautiful and book ha- cover, and everyone. Harry. Yeah. Oh, they do. They, they do. do. They do. And we've and it came out at a time where Loving was coming out, the movie. So I think it's uh, a great vehicle to have a talk about race. <clears throat> and it has a thumbs up from Maya Angelo. Yes, she endorsed it. One of her last oh. endorsements. Oh wow. Dr. Maya Angelo. Yes. God yeah. bless her. Yeah. Now, is there any uh talk of have you thought of Turning this into a feature, or absolutely, kind of, are you I'm working on the on the screenplay right now. I um, have challenged myself. It's rare that a journalist will write a novel, mm-hmm. right? And it's rare that a novelist will write a screenplay. Well, I want to be known for writing all three. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I well, want to be the Beyonce of literature. No, but I would love to learn to write the mm-hmm, screenplay mm-hmm. with a story I know and I'm so passionate about. And then to work with the greats. You know, a lot of the things I do is because I surround myself with people who know stuff way better than right. me. Right. And you you know that. And I you, know you that. embrace that. Absolutely. You welcome it. Your ego doesn't allow no, getting no. away of that. And plus, I'm in a new territory. Yeah. You know? Well, I think... Because I've adapted one book into a screenplay, I think the the author is the best person to do to it. do it. The Are, nuances that, especially well, in something that of Southern culture. Well, and, yeah, you'd have to be there to kind of give it. And you can't give that story to somebody else. Feel easy. That, it's easy. Well, you know the the weird thing is, is it's taking it um, not easy, but enjoyable. Well, it's taking it from. The, the the word the wordiness of a book and making it more visual exactly that was my hardest thing is not not wanting to write everything but rather describe it right so the so the person kind of has to see it in the film I tell you one of the greatest things in writing that has helped me which I think is going to come to play with the screenplay journalism oh mm-hmm. yeah keep it don't elaborate get where's the lead hit it boom. Give That's, it three sentences. That, it helps me with comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It tremendous. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Cut out the fat. Cut out the timing, fat. Timing, timing. Well, now yeah. she, you know, she's now brought up her 17th career. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that paycheck, damn it? <laughs> and she's not Jamaican either. I'm right. amazed. But yeah. I've had Jamaicans <laughs> ask me if I'm Jamaican. They're like, honey, please. You make us tired. We can't keep up with you. Show... How did the the turn the right turn left turn now into stand up comedy happen? Well, I've always loved comedy. Right. In fact, I just interviewed uh, Carol Burnett on uh, my podcast, I heard Rolanda it. on Demand, and I finally got to tell her. Do you know when I was in high school, my senior project was on you, and I used to do. We used to do these um, musical theater things, and I was always doing comical things. And I used to have this character, Fanny Bodenheimer, which was very much Carol Burnett. So anyway, that was a passion that was always there. I secretly told one of my dear friends, Kim Coles. Love, that oh, love I, Kim. I said, Kim, 
I said, you know, I would love to do stand-up comedy. She said, well, come on and let's do some improv. So we did some improv. Then she got married. She said, I want you to do some stand-up comedy for my bridesmaids part. I said, what? Mm-hmm. And she said, we got WeTV. I said, what? <laughs> I said, oh, hell to the no. She was like, uh-uh, you said you wanted to do it. It's a gift for me. Now, how are you going to turn Kim Coles down? Right, at her so I, wedding. She said, I know you got five minutes of funny. 17 minutes later. <laughs> She's and like, fantastic. The light. She's like, Rolanda, it's and my she, wedding. And, and Queen Latifah, they were all of them, the Erica Alexander. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you need to be doing this. So I started doing it for fun, took workshops, didn't realize it's really writing. Yeah. Which was really got me into it then. I said, oh, now I can have a handle on this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just stuff that flies in your head. You really structure that. Right. This is the work. And I love that. So I really rolled up my sleeves, took it seriously, headlined at Caroline's on Broadway. That's where it's led me. Always wanted to do Broadway. Finally. Finally. But it wasn't the vehicle I thought it would be. Right. Hmm. I thought I'd be in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Because you're a one-woman show. Don't don't think that that's not probably going to happen. I'm available. Right? <laughs> you are available. And I you am might available. Be, you can go to New York anytime you I want. Think I could go to New York tonight. Now, do you sing also? I belt. Oh, honey. I played Sally Bowles in Cabaret. I played in Pippin. I played Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. I think I played Lord Brockers, a 70-something-year-old <laughs> Englishman in The Boyfriend. I think we just put it out there for your yeah. next this next chapter. I started on stage. And I tell you, I think that's why the talk show was a comfortable format right. for mm-hmm. me. Because it was a stage you in were, front of 200 people. You were performing. People. Mm-hmm. And I did stand-up comedy in the commercial breaks with my audience. And But you, are, you were funny even in your show. Yeah. You know, your personality always came through your right. natural comedic. Don't you believe with comedy you either have it or you don't in terms of timing? Like yeah, it's you, all timing. Y- yeah. You kind of have to have it. You have to think funny. Yeah. You have to tell the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny. Truth is funny. Yeah. And the worse it is, the funnier, funnier it is. You have to be able to laugh at it. You have to. That's why so many comedians make great dramatic actors, but it doesn't always translate. Like the other the way. other way. The really wonderful dramatic actors can't do comedy. But comedy is the hardest form of theater. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, it you know, it, it it there's nothing, and Carol Burnett was saying this also, there's nothing more, I keep having, I hate to keep dropping her name. Honey, dro- but, I'm, I'll pick but, them up, her name up for you. But she talks about the, the, just the power and the joy in making people laugh. Yes. When you say something and everybody laughs and starts slapping their friend and going <laughs> snapping three times and, oh, girl, I, that happened to me. There's nothing there like is it, is There's nothing like that humanitarian connection. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we are all the same. We're all the same. And, you know, and well, comedy, I think, brings that out. We're going to take a quick little break right at that point because when we come back, I do want to talk to you about Carol Burnett. Okay. Because she was my comedic, like, iconic person growing up as well. So we're, uh, you're listening to uh, one-on-one with Jasper Cole and we'll be right back with Rolanda Watts. 
It's Rolanda. Make the list of your dreams. Mm. Are you into the list thing? I'm always thinking about what I'm grateful for. I did categories. So I did finances. I did health and fitness. I did family. And what do you put in those categories? So, for example, in health and fitness, I want to continue to work out at least three days a week. Did you read my list? <laughs> There's more Rolanda next. Talk. Listen. Connect. Welcome back to Rolanda On Demand. Rolanda got to interview one of her comedic idols, mine as well, Carol Burnett. So, yeah, because growing up for me, I think it was Saturday nights, her show came on. And the whole family sat down together. We all watched it together. Everybody together. When was the last time you did something like that? And I know everyone loves Lucille Ball, and I always appreciated Lucille Ball, but for me, Carol Burnett was sort of that person. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I think Lucy was earlier, and I watched it in reruns. But you know they were best friends. I know. Lucille Ball was her big sister. In fact, she took hmm. Carol up under her arm, wow. and she said, come here, kid. That's just what she just called her kid. She said, come here, kid. Let me tell you a story about how I got the S on the end of my last name. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Talking about women breaking in comedy comedy. at a time when they were, one was the owner of her show, another the owner of her studio, and they were the only ones. And I loved how um, Carol talks about how she maneuvered having that power, but at a time when men weren't going to give that Mm -mm. to you. How do you do that and not be a bitch? Not be a bitch. And and it was a fascinating conversation from Mm -hmm. that era, from an 80-something legend. Legend. Which, ironically, uh, Desilu Studios was right down the street. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Lucy and Desi kind of created the three-camera, mm-hmm. the sitcom format, right, at the mm-hmm. time. No one else had done that. Multi-camera. Yeah. But every time I've ever gone to CBS Television City, which is where Carol Burnett used to do <laughs> her right. show, that's what I always thought about. But your interview was really wonderful with Thank her. Thank you. I thought she really revealed stuff and it seemed like a really genuine just back and forth. Well, you know, I uh, I start off the interview by saying, you know, I'm one of your daughters. And I loved it when she went, I, I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> because her daughter, Carrie, mm-hmm. God rest her soul, and her daughter, Jody, who is still a very, very dear friend, um, produced and directed a film. In fact, the very first film I did when I first got here to Hollywood, the old classic story. I'm at a pool party, these two wavy, skinny little girls looking at me across the pool, and I'm looking at them. They come over, and Carrie goes, would you like to play Dorothy Dandridge in a short film? I said, let me think about it a minute. (laughs) Yes! And that's how we met. And they did a short film called Defying Mm. the Stars, which you can see on YouTube, Defying the Stars. Carrie wrote and directed it. Jody produced it. And I played Dorothy Dandridge. It was about Dorothy Dandridge, the hour before her death, as well as Sylvia Plath, the great poet, and Frida Kahlo, the wow. great artist. It's a fascinating piece. I have to piece. see that. It's very theatrical. Yeah. Amazing. And I got to be very close, but I never wanted to say, oh, can I meet your mom? Right. And so finally I had my podcast and, you know, Carol Burnett came out with the new show and she was about to get the Peabody. I said, here's my chance. <laughs> and I just said, you think maybe because I just started this and said, would be delighted. And I 
thought I, well, I cried. I yeah, won't admit. I, I don't cried. blame you. I cried. And, and so where can our listeners hear the podcast? Oh, go, just go to RolandaOnDemand.com. That's R-O-L-O-N-D-A, RolandaOnDemand.com. Mm-hmm. And that's on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, SoundCloud. Spreaker, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, all the platforms, all the platforms, honey. But I got some good stuff over there. Carol Burnett, Jane Fonda, who talks very openly about sexual abuse mm. and uh, something her and her mother shared, um, and her mother's mental illness. You know, her mom I, committed suicide by bipolar, yeah, stuff like that. But <laughs> um, but uh, Greg Mathis, health benefits of tea. All kinds of stuff. So how often do you do your podcast? Once a week. I'll put, a, right now I'm putting up, um, <clears throat> I'm in fact, this weekend I'm going to put up, I'm putting up like two or three. Right. Just to give you a bunch. Stockpiling. And then it'll come to once a week. Right. And so on the acting front, tell us what, what's happening. Do you have, you have some films? We did have a movie, American Bread, that just went streaming on Netflix. I'm one of the executive producers on oh, that. Oh, congratulations. As well as playing a mom. And it's it's a good mobster movie. It's wow. a good one. Well, Netflix, wow. American bread. Netflix is where to be now. Yeah, I is mean, it, we might have to check that. Is it Amazon? Amazon? Well, I think either it's Amazon. One, both of them. Either one of them, child. Check it out. American <laughs> bread <laughs> streaming now. <laughs> and comedy wise, are you? Out? Oh yeah, I've got some shows coming up. I don't know when this will air. Yeah. But- do you find that um, we we talked a little bit before we went on the air about being doing this comedy at a certain age now? We talked about how we think that's even more rich and better for your comedy career because you've actually lived and you have stuff to to talk about. See, you think it's easier because you've lived so much and you have so much fodder. It's because you're pissed off at so bitter much stuff. And angry. You're just bitter. You're going through freaking menopause. You know, you're dating on, on a site. Oh, our God. time. Tinder. You know why they call it our time. Because our time's almost up. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Tender. I mean, and then going through the cougar phase with the tenderonies. Yeah, you, so you mentioned you've mentioned the cougar phase. Yeah. What, what was that like? Well, you, you know when I moved out here, I, it, <laughs> they were like, "Ooh, Rolanda's in Hollywood. We got a black." Well, Demi you were Moore. hardly a cougar at that point. Well, but, at that point, but you get older in Hollywood. You get older, and they just seem to get younger. That's true. I guess a cougar in Hollywood. So are you like, on Tinder? Yeah, well, oh. I'm, yeah, I'm on Tinder and Bumblebee or whatever they Bumblebee, <laughs> Christian Mingle. Listen, I started looking up. I said, "Let me." see some of the craziest stuff they have in dating sites. Uh-huh. They got clownsdate.com. <laughs> oh, they got clowns omi- are, are now, can scary. you imagine? And they have Amish cougar life. Da- they have gluten-free dating. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Vegan. They got blackpeoplemeat.com. Now, see, I think that's a little broad. That's fair. They're, Cause they're a whole bunch of different kind of black people. They need to. They, <laughs> they need, need to. Have they need to put some subgroups. Like, Just like in the gay community, they need to divide that up. Yeah, right. the twinks. You have the bears. You have. Because <laughs> right. the- I'm like, how about black people with careersmeet.com? With a job. <laughs> black people who don't live with their mamas. With good meet. credit. <laughs> But the great thing is your comedy is all generations now. But you, one thing we were saying earlier when you're talking about how your nieces and nephews, what I love about the young generation is they don't seem to see color, Mm-mm. gender. Everything is fluid and it really is. And it's and I think it's trying for them too when when they're singing songs with their favorite rap artists and then the N-word comes up <clears> and then they can't say it and then 
then they have to have the conversation. Right. Because even though it's not your experience, social mm. media has made it your truth. Right. Oh, I like that. That's, yeah. Even though it's not your experience, social, social media, media has made it your truth. That's a great you one. You cannot deny the fact that there is racism oh. in this nation, mm-hmm. sexism, <clears throat> ageism, whatever it is, it's on social media for you right there in your face. Right. It's the exposure of our truth. Bold Radio, it's Rolanda. Before you make a commitment to live together, to get married, this sex thing about waiting for, you know, the, on the third date, it's mandatory almost. <laughs> why, why? With, with dinner. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so my take on that is you become sexual when you want to complicate the relationship. Ooh. There's more Rolanda next. Talk, listen, connect. Yeah, maybe they'll bring all my children back. Well, listen, I remember when Phil washed up on shore from Vietnam (laughs) (laughs) and Erica found him on the beach. I will never forget that. And we believed them fools. Of course, we only had three networks at the time. And we believed that Erica Kane was a supermodel and she was like five foot tall, right? Five foot one or something like that? Exactly. (laughs) I think so. Well, listen, I think the time has... Flown. I yeah, could, we I really need a, about. You know, you're a really great interviewer. Oh well, listen. Really. Oh my God, coming from you, that I really. I don't give it out easily. And you know, <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, the funny thing is, I'm just a character actor who likes to talk to people. Oh, you know, well, you're, I, you're very smart, though. That, well, thank you. So it yeah. really is an honor to have you here. An honor to be here, Dominic. Thank you so much. Check out her podcast. Please subscribe, y'all. Yes. Please do that. It's a new podcast, so I need you. RolandaOnDemand.com. And and what you got a little taste of here, you get a lot of on the podcast. And the book is Destiny Lingers, and you can find that on Amazon and all the links and on her website. And keep your eyes out for the screenplay. That's right. And And your ears out for the audio book. The audio. And maybe there'll be like a creepy homeless guy that's on the beach that Jasper Cole might come in and read for. (laughs) I'm just saying. You never know. Oh, we got something for you. We got something for you. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. You've been uh, listening to One on One with Jasper Cole. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Rolanda On Demand. That was a great talk with Jasper Cole. And you can find him at jaspercole.com and on social media. Please follow me on social media at Rolanda Watts. That's R-O-L-O-N-D-A-W-A-T-T-S at Rolanda Watts. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And thank you so much again for listening. Now go out there and do something good. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.